welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. And today we are here to discuss uh, episode one of season three, Perfect Circles. I am here today with Moira Brown. Moira. Hello. Moira is joining us from, uh, formerly from the Fisher cast. That's fair to say? (laughs) Yes, that's fair to say. (laughs) Uh, There was a a Six Feet Under podcast about five, I guess six years ago, right? Uh, Six years ago that... Uh, just doing the same thing that I'm doing now, just reviewing each episode. Uh, we had Robin on. He was on episode four with me last season. And this is the part two of the three-man group. <laughs> well, that's because Robin always wants to be first. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just Robin. I, I love you, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we are before seasons. And I know uh, you, you guys, I guess Robin had said, I know you had told me too, that Des is probably a little bit too occupied these days. But I would definitely <laughs> like, and I feel like I'd be more of a moderator than I would be a contributor <laughs> to have like a little six feet under reunion here. It would be hilarious. It would be awesome, actually. We all, we all miss uh, those good times of recording every week together. Yeah, um, I got to find the episode that's good for you guys and then. Yeah. I would like that would be fun, but yeah. Moira's joined. Uh, like I said, I had found out about Robin. I found out about the Fisher cast, and I just kind of going one by one, trying to pluck everyone. And but more importantly, Moira, you are. And I'm not gonna. I'm reading off your Twitter here, but you can give us more of exactly <laughs> what you are a doctor. I, I am can a say doctor. That flatly, okay. That's for real, not a PhD, <laughs> an actual MD doctor. Yes. Uh-huh. And I guess yes. part of of the uh, the the reason why I wanted to bring you on is. I'm someone who never fully understood. I just keep saying what it is, Nate's AVM. And I guess <laughs> we'll get into it. But at some point, you give me somewhat of an explanation of exactly kind of what's going on here. And I guess how correct it is to real life, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Be happy to. Great. And I guess really quick, I guess um, your experience, and I get uh, something on the podcast, we don't do spoilers because I'm trying to keep this as... Kind of like you guys did, like you didn't know mm-hmm. what was happening next week. Right. Um, but your experience podcasting slash Six Feet Under, uh, just off, I, it's funny, off mic, we were just laughing, rehashing everything, just listening to this random episode that you guys <laughs> did. But uh, your experience with Six Feet Under and the uh, the idea of podcasting, oh, how was well, it? Um, okay, so Six Feet Under is a show. I really enjoyed covering um, because I really had no experience, like no prior knowledge to it. So I went into it completely blind, which was the whole, the whole setup. Um, but I got so invested with these characters, these Fisher characters, and their quirkiness, <laughs> and the crazy stuff they do, and the ridiculous dysfunctionality because it's the Fishers. So they have right, to be dysfunctional, right. but they're also lovable too. So yeah, I got I got really invested and emotional and. And enjoyed it from that point of view. And the podcast experience itself was really wondrous because these were two friends of mine that I had originally met actually through the internet, through Twitter. And that's a whole other story. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so we mm-hmm. were, you know, weekly getting together, getting to do our podcast, catching up in each other's lives. I mean, it was really fun um, and silly and giggly. And we had a lot of fun teasing Robin and, you know, so uh, <laughs> and just positive all around. So I loved it. And um 
haven't really done my own podcast since I've been involved in other ones to different degrees, but uh, it's it's a neat mm-hmm. it's a neat outlet and a neat way for um, fans of the show to kind of touch base with each other and explore a topic in more detail. It's like nerding out, geeking out over something, and it's acceptable, you know. Yeah, <laughs> over like something yeah. specific and. The, uh, the the fun I found that it is like you get to see something from someone's different mm-hmm. point of view, but not just like a, oh what did you think of this? It's like we'll be talking like and we're, it's going to happen here. We're going to be talking during a scene, and you're going to receive something differently way more than exactly. I exactly. And that's just a fun you know just hearing that. And sometimes idea. it's sort of amazing because we all know we have different points of view, but every so often someone will say something you think really really that's what you thought was going yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just sort of scratch your head but it does make it interesting right it would be you're right it'd be no fun if we all just nodded and smiled and said oh what a great show and you know that would be pretty boring yeah yeah and something robin did on his podcast where every week he had the darwin award yes <laughs> and like i did with robin on his episode i wanted to somewhat switch it up a little bit and i've only done this for just you guys so <laughs> Uh, what I wanted to do again here, I, I, I was going to try and do the obituary of the week, but honestly, it was too much work. Um, <laughs> I have here uh, obituary, or a really funny obituary that I just kind of wanted to get uh, read into sort of the way you guys did the Darwin okay. Awards. And this one is fairly recently. It's July 29th of last year. Uh, like I was telling you, uh, there's something in here about uh, Donald Trump or rather the election. So if I can just um, read read this obituary, I found this absolutely hilarious, and I wish more obituaries were like this. All right. William Ziegler escaped this mortal realm on Friday, July 29, blah, 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 at the age of 69. We think he did it on purpose to avoid having to make a decision in the pending presidential election. He leaves behind four children, five grandchildren, and the potted meat industry, for which he was the unofficial spokesman <laughs> until dietary restrictions forced him to eat real food. <laughs> William volunteered for service in the United States Navy at the ripe old age of 17 and immediately realized he didn't much enjoy being bossed around. He only stuck it out for one war. Before his discharge, however, the government exchanged numerous ribbons and medals for various honorable acts. Upon his return to the city of New Orleans in 1971, thinking it best to keep an eye on him, government officials hired William as a fireman. After 25 years, he suddenly realized that running away from burning buildings made more sense than running towards them. (laughs) He promptly retired. Uh, Looking back, William stated that there was no better group of morons and mental patients than those that he had the privilege of serving with. And in parentheses, it says, except Bob. He never liked you, Bob. (laughs) Oh, my God. Following his wishes, there will not be a service. But well-wishers are encouraged to write a note of farewell on a Schaefer light beer can and drink it in his honor. He was never one for sentiment or... Re- Ooh, I don't know this word here. Religiosity. Religiosity. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. But he wanted you to know that if he owes you a beer and if you can find him in heaven, he will gladly allow you to buy him another. He can likely be found forwarding tasteless internet jokes. Check your spam folder, but don't open these at work. <laughs> Expect to find an alcoholic dog named Judge passed out at his feet. Unlike previous times, this is not a ploy to avoid creditors or old girlfriends. He assures <laughs> us that he is gone. He will be greatly missed. How funny oh. and how... I, I can only imagine what it was like to be around that guy, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, if if uh, you know if a eulogy or an obituary is supposed to give you a little window into the personality of, of the deceased that one certainly does it that's impressive yeah. that's hilarious 
And I wonder if there was a person, Bob, and how. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm imagining that that Bob, he, I mean, that was probably his best friend. Oh, that he could, you have you know, to that assume that. They would write that, something yeah. that. <laughs> he, you hope it's real. You hope that's a real person because that's, that's too precious for it not to be legit. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I like that obituary. Yeah, uh, before we get into the episode, uh, I kind of would just small recap of season two of where we left off with our characters. Mm-hmm. Basically, we see how it starts out. Nate uh, had ended things with uh, Brenda, and he was going in for his AVM surgery. We had Keith and David. Um, they were fighting, and <laughs> what's uh, oh God? I'm forgetting her name now. Had just left Taylor. Them. Uh, Taylor. Taylor was going to spend uh, with Keith's parents, and that's where they kind of left off. Claire was starting art school. Or she was at rather interviewing. Mm-hmm. And Ruth had left off basically happy that now she has someone in her life to care for, which is Maya, Nate's daughter. Enrico mm-hmm. uh, had left off that he got a big inheritance and he becomes partners of the funeral home. <laughs> or he's allowed to buy in. Yeah. And what happens, we'll see in the episode. Yeah. Oh, wait. And Brenda and Brenda was packing up her things and driving off in a she car. She just packed up and left. And we don't That's know all where we Brenda saw. went. Yeah. Right, right. I recall being horrified by this. <laughs> Brenda, no, don't go, Brenda. <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny. Um, we had uh, I delayed recording with you, Moira, just for a half hour because there was the season three promo that I wanted to watch. And if you have the DVDs, it's definitely something to check out. It's basically like a music video they did for this promo, and they're on top of buildings. Yes, and all of them. Oh, I've you seen have it. seen this before, though. Yes. Yeah. So this was kind of like a making of, and I, there's not, I can't discuss too much without giving away spoilers, mm-hmm. but it was really interesting to hear the directors and the producers on the show give their take on like why they were filming. I had never given the promo that much thought. Mm-hmm. And then when they, 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 they tell you about, you know, Nate stepping off, mm-hmm. but he's looking at himself and Rico's overseeing everyone because he's not involved in it. It was just really interesting. If you could see it, um, I'm sure you could YouTube it or whatnot. Oh, well, I do have the DVDs. And um, it's, it's yes. funny you say that because when we were recording Fisher cast, Robin would routinely listen to the director's commentary. And, of course, we weren't allowed to because it was spoilery. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I haven't gone back and, and done that. And this has got me thinking it would be fun to, to just, you know, go and, see, yeah. go and see what all the scoop was that I, you know, was not allowed to know. <laughs> Of the commentary so far, I think it was episode 10 of last season, and, and I played it on the podcast. It starts out, and, and, and the writer for that episode, it literally starts out, she's like, how sad is your life? You are listening to someone speak about an episode you've already watched. It's like, I feel sorry for you, but here's my thoughts. Oh my and it's like, God. wow. Oh, man. <laughs> But I guess we could get into our episode here, and I usually start out with a death capsule of sorts here, but when you look back on the episode, besides the, the two or three bodies that we see, we assume no one has died. There's no actual death capsule. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just listening to your episode, yeah. I, I guess we'll get into it in a little bit. Um, we The episode starts out with basically, we are right where we left off, where Nate is still on... Mm-hmm. The, the operating table and he's having this procedure done. I guess we could kind of start here with your knowledge, Moira. What do you, what was he having done to him? So, okay. Um, so backing up a step. So an AVM, atriovenous malformation, right? So what mm-hmm. that means, if you picture 
Um, you know you've got arteries that, you know, in your body where the blood flows from the heart. You have the veins where the blood is flowing back to the heart. But where they yep. come together in your tissues and they get very, very tiny in the capillaries, right? Like in your fingertips and stuff. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so where your blood vessels are very, very small, sometimes they're malformed. And if you can picture almost like a little ball of of wool or a ball of rubber band or something. It's all these little tiny capillaries that are intertwined and linking to each other in ways they're not supposed to. So they make a little ball-like network of blood vessels, but they, they're malformed and they're kind of fragile and they can bleed more easily than normal blood vessels. And so they're a little bit precarious. They're like little time bombs, kind of, potentially wow. um, going off. You can get little tiny versions of this in different organs and they don't really matter that much. If you have a tiny, you know, a little tiny bleed and it just stops and clots normally it's not going to matter but the problem is if you have an avm in your brain and it decides to bleed the brain being so delicate um, and not responding well to pressure uh, it's the equivalent of when people have um i don't know if you have a head injury and you bleed into your brain it it causes a pool of blood and that pool of blood causes pressure and that in turn damages your brain so the logic behind it is, you, if you know about an AVM, if you're in a way fortunate enough to have one leak a little bit and give you some symptoms, which was Nate's stroke-like symptoms, right, in, in last right, season? Right. So that's your yeah. warning. So then if you get worked up and they do the, you know, the, the various scans and they find that you've got this malformation, the logical thing to do is say, okay, we need to remove it because we know at some point it's going to bleed again. Um, so the way they go about doing that is they have to physically open you up, locate the AV malformation in your brain, and cut it out. Wow. Exactly. Uh, all right, we're, we're going to hold that. that. That's one of the best explanations I've ever heard. Uh, you know what? L- let me take that back. I've never heard an explanation, but <laughs> that was very, it, no, it was very, very concise, very to the point. Uh, I, I, I understand a lot better now and why I guess it could kind of strike at any moment, right? Yes. Where it's just yes. Good. I'm glad. Thin. If you've had a people, I think have heard of aneurysms before, right? Like I think a lot of people yeah. know about abdominal aortic aneurysms and how they can rupture. Mm-hmm. And you, okay, it's it's a different anomaly, but the idea is the same. It's a sudden catastrophic bleed, um, mm-hmm. and so I think at one point, I think when I was listening to one of your shows, somebody was saying, well, you know, what kind of symptoms would he have? Like, what's realistic? And again, it just, it would just depend on where the leak occurred and what portion of the brain was affected. So it could be his speech center. It could be, you know, a movement center. Again, very much like a stroke. I, I guess let me stay here for one second because I, I do believe I had messaged you about this. The idea where Nate starts smelling rotten eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you're saying that just hits that center and that's just a... Because then I researched it and it, that's not... It's pretty common... In seizures. Among other... Okay, yeah, seizures. In seizures. Okay. It's funny you say that because I think of that as being more like um, a, a warning or an aura before somebody gets a seizure. They can sometimes have strange sensations of smelling things. Right. Um, so I imagine that might happen in an AVM, but offhand, <laughs> like, that wouldn't have been my first thing to think of. I think sometimes, you know how those writers are. <laughs> Victor, well, I was right? just going to say, I think <laughs> just are trying to pull it from somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, they just, they just blend things together. It's like we had a joke, I think, on, on uh, when we were podcasting the show about how as soon as someone has a nosebleed on TV, they immediately have a brain tumor. And I was just rolling my eyes going, they're hardly even related, <laughs> you know. <sighs> yeah, but anyway. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that helped you to understand it a bit better. No, and, and I have to imagine if there are people like me who 
also didn't know this. They just kind of took it for what it was. It was like, oh, there's an AVM. Okay, AVM. To be completely honest, it wasn't until they started this podcast where I didn't even know what AVM stood because for. I just kept saying AVM. Why would you? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not, it's not your jam, man. Why would you know that? Right, right. That's true. That's true. And so here, uh, presumably, Nate dies on the operating table. And we get a, a fake out of sorts of... You know, we get the, the, the years, and I forget what year Nate is offhand, but what we get to see is basically, it starts out with Rico seeing him on the embalming table, mm-hmm. and we just kind of go through all the fissures, realizing hitting the death. So after we see uh, Nath- Nate, Nathaniel, Nate on the table, uh, we sort of get like this, you know, we get a glimpse of each fissure, and we see uh, Claire's just sort of spacing out, uh, Ruth is ironing. And <laughs> Michael C. Hall, David is the most emotional one, where he's just sort of sobbing. Yes. Um, but then we get this. I love the idea of this being. Do you want to call it purgatory or whatever it is where Nate is with um, Nathaniel? Or alternative realities. Oh, no, that sounds too much like a certain person we know named Donald right. Trump. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. <sighs> but, um, well, because to me, purgatory implies a place where you're just sort of waiting. But I would have thought you only had one... Um, sort of view of existence while you're there and in this you know sequence he's in every different room he enters he has a different potential outcome well, I, right I, I, I guess I guess if I, if I could take away purgatory and I guess I'll say in limbo because when yeah. he's there when he's there with Nathaniel at the diner like because Nathaniel's just hanging out and it's kind of every time we see him he is just his his I don't know what he is Oh, 100% chilling, no matter what. He's yeah, always yeah. so carefree and whatever. Well, and it's like he's got a secret a secret joke, you know? It's like he's <laughs> he knows the punchline, and he knows yeah. Nate is waiting for the information. And Nathaniel's just, you know, he's got the ace up his sleeve, kind of. I'm yeah, mixing my yeah. metaphors, but anyway, and uh, and he's not gonna he's not gonna show him the ace. He's just yeah, you know he's yeah. just tantalizingly dangling it and not really explaining anything to Nate. Yeah, he's it's funny. And I just, I just love he's chowing down on this fenugreek, which <laughs> we'll talk about in a little bit. Yes. And Nate's just like, just tell me what tell me what I'm supposed to know and whatever. And Nathaniel's just going away, going to town on this uh, fenugreek. Yeah. yeah. So then we get this sort of weird, I still don't know how to feel about it. And I, I've, I've read about it. I listened to your guys' podcast. I don't know how to feel about these alternate realities mm-hmm. of Nate. The first one we see is, oh, God, how do we, uh, he's paralyzed. Is that safe to say? Yeah, he's, he's, post, he's post-stroke-like event. So the assumption in that one for me was, oh, the AVM surgery didn't go well. There were complications. He had bleeding in his brain, and this is how he's been left. Just like anybody would be after, like, a, a car accident where they had a brain injury. Yeah, he's really brain injured. It's sad. And I shared your exact sentiments that when I first, when this first popped up on my screen, I guess even now watching, because I've seen this before, but kind of revisiting it now when I'm doing the podcast, when he first comes on screen, it's jarring and that's yeah. scary. It's like, whoa. And yeah. you know it's fake, you know it's acting, and you know it's television, but it was still like, my God. It, that's it's, I actually scary. thought um, it was quite well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Because they make his face look a little bit partially paralyzed, and mm-hmm. I don't quite know how they did that, but it's, it's pretty chilling, isn't it? 
Yeah, and just yes. going over the words and the idea of trying to learn how to speak again. My God. Yeah. Scary. Uh, I have to take a few steps back because uh, we see uh, Nate is in the casket and he, he walks into his own viewing. I, I wanted to, to touch oh, on something yes, here. yes, yeah. yes, yes. And Nate walks up to dead Nate and <laughs> there's a comment here and I feel like I'm saying this almost every other episode. Nate goes, damn it, David, I want it to be cremated. <laughs> and it's again, and the thing is, they, put, they have him in this particular scene, they have him in a wood casket. He could still be cremated. It's, I, I, I keep saying every podcast, uh, cremation is just the final form of disposition. Yes. It just means after this, even if they went to church, he could still go to the crematory well, after. Yes. As opposed in, to going to the fact, cemetery. In fact, when my mother passed away, we had a viewing. So she, she was involved. We right, had a viewing, right. a visitation. And then later, she was cremated and we had a ceremony at the graveside. So, of course, you can do both. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, but it, and it's funny. You would think you would think a show like this and you have to assume that there was a funeral director that they can consult with. You would think, because cremation was sort of on the rise, you would think that they would they would say, like, listen you can't equate uh, viewing to no cremation and vice right. versa. You know? Well, except I think the average person listening to the show without your insider knowledge, when I saw that, I thought it meant I didn't want a viewing. Like I just wanted cremate me, take me to the graveside or whatever you're going to do with me, scatter my ashes, whatever he wants. It might've meant he didn't want the fuss of the whole um, service. That That's true. That's true. Uh, I just think it, it, it's so the, the two tie together, and I guess what I'm saying is I'm I'm sh I'm a little surprised that they didn't say to not put them together. Right. Meaning, I see what you mean. Why didn't he just say I didn't want to be viewed? Because you're directly tying the two together. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, I was uh -huh. going to say welcome to my world because every time I watch a medical show. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> my God. And then we hear a faint cry of a baby, and Nate goes into his second vision. And we see here the Nate, Lisa, and Maya are on the floor. And I guess we could assume that they are genuinely happy. And I guess this kind of ties into the end of the episode. But this is a really uh, nice alternate reality of the three of them sitting on the floor. Yes. It's very sweet, actually. Very sweet, very <laughs> touching. I like the way you say you can assume this is a, a you know, a reality, like actual, with <laughs> a question mark in your voice. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> for what for what they show Nate in relationships, this is, I feel like this is the happiest we've seen him. And it's, of course, in a, in a reality, uh, fake, alternate mm -hmm. reality, whatever you want it's to call it. It's blissful, even. Terrifying, isn't it? It's scary. <laughs> yeah. Some might call it a nightmare, <laughs> depending how one feels about Lisa. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then we see this this third vision where the door opens to the funeral home and it's Brenda this mm -hmm. time and she has a baby, presumably Nate's, and it's exactly how you would have envisioned their relationship mm -hmm. if if they had you know perceived forward. They're sort of bantering at each other, yelling at each other. It, it kind of just swings into it's just a, it's it, it's a quick vision. It's really not. It just shows them bantering essentially, yeah. right? And they just sort of move on to this fourth vision, which is. Uh, essentially, if Nathaniel had never gotten to the car accident, yes, because it's the it's Christmas mm -hmm. Christmas <laughs> dinner time, and they're all and Claire makes a comment on the traffic that traffic was brutal or something like that. Something I didn't pick up on that something you guys in your podcast mm -hmm. picked up on is that 
Claire was high. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even realize it didn't even take it. Well, you account. know, in that scene, Nate realizes it because if you look carefully, he he eyeballs her at one point a little bit suspiciously. Um, mm-hmm. I think he can tell, <laughs> yeah, that she's high on something. So. Yeah, and that's and, and there's something and then and, and, uh, Moira, you don't have a chance to hear us because we're recording this way in advance. But me and a uh, uh, friend of the podcast, David Green, we had recorded a podcast of how would Six Feet Under be in 2017, and how would you sort of rework yes. it. And so, and something we kind of both said is that Nathaniel wouldn't die in the first episode, so you would get something like this where Nathaniel's sitting there at the dinner, and it's not a dream. You know, he's, <laughs> he's still alive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's just interesting to see that here in this first episode. The fifth vision I thought was really the most out there, where you get the Fishers, but they're complete bizarros of their own. They're complete opposites. <laughs> Because you have this, this, this Claire is like this pretentious blonde, and Ruth is like this really caring. No, she is caring. Uh, how would you? Do you know how you would describe Ruth in this uh, alternate reality? It was freaking me out. <laughs> I, was, I was honestly going. I'm not sure if these are the same people. I don't understand right. who are these people. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it was weird. And Nate's like this, like preppy, kind of, but of, older, he right? This, like, like he's definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah. supposed to be like in his forties or something, or I don't know. It was. And, and I, guess, I guess the point here too is that like Nate is heavily involved in the business, mm-hmm. you know, because like David's not even there, and Nate's the one taking the phone call. You know? Yeah, so I'm watching, it and I was thinking that too. Where's David? What happened to David? Yeah, Apparently, he's yeah. singing in the men's choir somewhere. <laughs> I don't know the men's chorus. Sorry. <laughs> And our sixth and oh, final vision, we have Nate this one's as hilarious. a beer. All I can have is a beer drinking Southern type dude. We, we call, yeah, <laughs> we call them a redneck. I think in our in our right. version yeah, of things. Yeah, I guess you could call him a redneck. Right? And and Claire just looks like a an airheaded bimbo. You know, she's flipping through. I think like yeah. a fashion magazine or something. And, and she's yeah, she's some yeah, just it's, and they just annoy <laughs> each other. And yeah, yeah. I guess two things to close out this little opener because then finally after this, we get this little scene where I love the the conversation between Nate and Nathaniel where it's, you know, am I dead? Mm -hmm. And after some dialogue, he's like, yes. And then a few moments (laughs) later, he's like, and no. Yes. (laughs) I know. And he's asking these ridiculous questions, I think, about subatomic particles or something. Particles and And all this stuff. Which is, okay, first of all, completely out of character for Nate Fisher Sr. Because that is not Mm -hmm. a gentleman who wasted any of his lifetime thinking about (laughs) things like that. Um, So that part's weird. And he's got his little clipboard. Don't you find that hilarious? When he's he's like checking off boxes, you know? He's asking him this, this litany of questions. And I'm thinking... What are you, the guy on the pearly gates? Like, what? <laughs> just, right, if Nate right. answers incorrectly, or is it like uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you know, or something? He's, he's, yeah, he's yeah. It, it's just, it's all of I it. Think, I had no idea, but I thought, all right, I don't even think the questions you're asking him matter. I think you are just messing with his head. I honestly think <laughs> he's just messing with his head. I, I guess so, right? I mean, I, I really have a hard time dissecting this opening it's and what weird. it's supposed to mean. And, like, there's a reason why. There was an an alternate reality or a vision of Nate being a redneck. How that plays into it, I still don't well, know. Well, okay. I, here's how I took it. I took it to mean Nate is saying to him, 
if you believe in quantum theory, it means that you can, you know, something can exist in two different places at the same time, sort of. They can have alternative realities, mm-hmm. right? So he's trying to say to him, mm-hmm. um, you can make a choice. These are all the paths. It's more like a path in the forest, and you can take whatever fork in the road you want to. You've just been given an option of viewing about six different realities that could be your life, and now you get to decide, do you want to go back and, and pick one? That's, in the end, on, on retrospective viewing, that's what I think it's telling us. But in that moment when I first watch it, I'm still scratching my head a bit and going, all right, I get it. These are different versions of Nate's life. But, but at the point when he opens the box and the white light comes, because it used to be stepping into the white light was dying, right? So I was, did right. this confuse you as well? I'm like, okay, what choice is he making? I'm telling you this, this whole <laughs> opening scene, because then you know what too? When he goes to open the casket, mm-hmm. There is also all these guys with bald, oh, bald yes. guys with glasses on, and what I'm saying is there's a reason why they're all bald, and there's a reason why they all have. Well, glasses it's a nuclear on. bomb going off. That's the right. That's the analogy of nuclear testing. Those are the, the those thick lenses they used to wear back in the 50s and 40s when they were testing the bomb. Uh, I'm is gonna say yes because I don't know any better. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling. I didn't like. Here, here's how I feel. Do you ever see the movie 2001: Space yes. Odyssey? That movie, I cannot tell you what it does to my feelings and my emotions. I cannot verbalize it. But I know what it is while I'm watching it. And I have this same sort of thing here. Like, I can't possibly... And how horrible this is for a podcast, right? <laughs> I can't possibly describe to you what, it, what, how I think about it and what I feel. I know it means something. I just can't verbalize it. I don't know why. I guess I, I, guess I do get the guy literally destroying time. With yes, the hammer, yes, yes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's uh, kind of a I heavy definitely metaphor. feel like though, <laughs> right? I, I definitely feel like if I spoke to ten people about this, I feel like I would get ten different responses. Well, okay, the the people who were viewing him, the people, the, the who became mm-hmm. bald and put on their their protective goggles, mm-hmm. um, again, it's as if they were watching not an entertainment. It was it was deeper than that because they were silent. Silent witnesses, okay? That's, that's how I thought of them. They were witnessing this moment where Nate gets to sort of pick what he's going to do or, or to, be, to realize he can make a choice maybe. It seemed almost not just, okay, not completely comical. I mean, it was played for comic relief a bit, right? Because the, the way they all right, lean yeah. back in the chair, because when he opens the cast, yeah, yeah. that's the blast hitting them, right? Obviously, but... But it was also solemn, and and it's like they were holding their breaths, waiting to see what he would do. I, I any expl- I'll take any <laughs> explanation or any any idea of it because I have nothing okay. better. Well, and I, I'm of... not saying I'm at all right. I'm just saying. No, no, of course. It's, it's just like, it, it, it is one. Yeah, reason. but yeah. it was. But on a sort of an aside or on a different note, sitting there watching it for that first time, I was just looking at the whole thing, saying, "Okay, so." You've given us all these views that it could be, and now, and then, you know, you fade to white, and now suddenly Nate's death date is gone, which made me, right. which, by the way, made my little heart sing, <laughs> because <laughs> unlike you, I didn't, I, I was in denial, okay? Maybe that's how I should put it. I should confess. I was in denial thinking, there's no way you killed off Nate. No. And so I, thank God they didn't. Yeah. Really, it would have been horrible. <laughs> so it goes right into <laughs> yeah right that, that's where mm. the, the telling part mm-hmm. comes. Uh, it opens up to a barbecue mm-hmm. and we we it really starts off with Nate saying that his AVM ruptured yes during the surgery and we learn it's been seven months. 
right. So from, I guess the season two mm-hmm, finale. Go right. On. So I'm like, oh, okay. So you jumped back into the light. Yay, yay, Nate. You didn't die. Oh, okay. It's seven months later. Let's see where the show takes us. And then, oh my God, <laughs> he's, he's at a barbecue with people we have never seen before. Some white cat we don't care about. And he's with, he's with little baby Maya and Lisa. And they're like a yes. couple. And Lisa is a crazy person because she's chatting with her best girlfriend <laughs> and she's talking about how, oh, yeah, well, really, really, it's like we've been together the last eight years. Um, you know. Eight years. Oh, my woman. <laughs> what planet are you from? So, so we, I am watching this thinking this is still an alternate reality. Like, is this one of his it options? W- yeah. Like, what the hell? Because the last person in the world I expected Nate to be with was Lisa. So, yes, true confession, listeners, I went through the entire rest of this episode <laughs> convinced that this was some kind of horrible joke, that this, that this was, that, that Nate was still on the operating table, that he was going to wake up next, you know, in the next episode, and we would find out, you know, that he's now okay, and he's, he's woken up, and this was all like Dallas, and it was a dream. I- <laughs> so, that's, you know, I, that's, I'm putting I, it out yeah. there. That's my, my prayer and my hope that that's actually, you know, this is all just a crazy dream because Lisa, yeah, she just, no, <laughs> she shouldn't be there. When when <laughs> she said that they've been together for eight years, <sighs> when, when, when I listened to your episode and then I kind of put some of the things together, I was like, well, crap, maybe it is. Mm. Maybe this episode is fake and it's one of the yeah. things where it starts off at three or two. I truly don't remember. <laughs> like, I, I, I know the big parts of Six Feet mm-hmm. Under. Uh, but I, I guess I guess we'll get yes, into that, okay. right? Um, whatever. But yes, we learned that uh, Lisa's completely crazy and that they've been thinking they've been together for eight years. Here's the thing, though. I sort of understand why she says that. I'm not saying I agree. I'm not saying it's something you should think. But I can understand why. Oh, yeah, because why, she means that when he would come and visit know. her and have booty call in, in Seattle, she's counting that as part of a continuous relationship, right? right? right. Oh, no, I understood what so, she meant. But it, but she yeah. was glossing over, you know, well, the, rea- the reality <laughs> with her friends. She was glossing over the eight years they also weren't that, together. That 97% of those eight years, they weren't really together at all. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there's And here, here's something I guess we, oh. that's going to spark a whole other conversation is Lisa mentions fenugreek mm-hmm. and how she sweats. It smells like maple yes. syrup. And there's two parts here. I thought this was something completely made up, but then I, lo- I looked it up. And this is actually – it's sort of like the asparagus and, mm-hmm. and the, the, and the, 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 the yeah. urine mm-hmm. smell. Yeah. Yes. This is sort of like the same thing, which I never heard about, that provides this smell if you eat fenugreek. And it's it's more common in in it's it's made for not made for women who are lactating. Yeah, injustice. And actually, to be honest with you, when I watched this episode, I had to look that up because I thought, is this a thing? Yeah. <laughs> really? I've never ever recommended to a patient. Yeah, you know, you having a little trouble with your breast milk? No problem. Just go pick up some fenugreek. But I looked it up, and yeah, people do uh, you know advocate for this. I have no idea if it actually works or not. I don't know, but. Um, but it's, it fits with Lisa's character, right? Because oh, it's course, so hippy dippy, and you know that's her and very yeah. natural, and that's all fine. So, uh, but it was just interesting because it's his first deja vu moment, right? Well, and that's I, I guess I guess I'll save it for the last okay. one because it happens a few times. It does, but I, I I guess something to tease like what or why or is this like something like the dreams? I like I don't even know where to go with all of it, but that's sort of what I wanted to talk about yeah. is. 
what is it in these dreams that sort of sparked and hit that? But we'll, we'll okay. get there because I want to go through okay. all of them. But this was the first mm-hmm. one where, you know, Lisa mentions fenugreek and the, the, the maple syrup and whatnot. Um, and then the end of that scene, did that strike you odd? Uh, we'll get okay. there too. I just I wanted to mention that uh, there's a part where Nate is offered pot <laughs> and he doesn't smoke yeah. it. Now he's a mature dad now, Fisher. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> right, right. It's a new name. And we also learned he su- <laughs> and we learned he he sold his yeah. motorcycle. But what you're talking about is Lisa says you forgot you took the mm-hmm. wrong bag, so Nate goes okay, and that's all that happens, yeah. right? Why? See, in my head, I thought, and I swore I saw this when I when I watched it, is when Nate goes back, he does take a hit. Like, he walks in and they're like, oh, I knew you were coming yeah. back. But that didn't no, happen, right? Nothing. Like, it's not almost like yeah. they're missing a scene there. Don't you get that sense? I, I have, I, when I do the podcast, I have the DVD playing mm-hmm. and just to sort of jog my yeah. memory of stuff. Um, I have the scene, I just started at the barbecue, and I'm going to see, because I, I, I could see it in my head that Nate comes back, he takes nope. a hit, and whatever. Nope, he doesn't. I, I will yeah, swear, I just happen, watched this right? two days ago, he does not reappear. <laughs> but it, is, it seems very unfinished. He goes, oh yeah, crap, right, and off he goes. And then you're expecting there to be a reason for them to have said that. And the other thing is, you know, taking the wrong bag can be a metaphor for anything, can't it? And I'm thinking, oh, no, no, Nate, you took the wrong wife. I think you meant to say wife. (laughs) That was was actually what what you meant there. (laughs) I guess to stick with with Nate and uh, Lisa, Mm -hmm. we have Nate showing up to Lisa's with Maya. And this is where we get the second of flashbacks where she has the hiccups. Oh, yeah. And it sparks this flashback that he had during surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, We here we also meet Carol Ward, which is Lisa's boss. one of the greatest lines in this episode is Ruth, where she introduces herself, and Ruth says, we've met several times already. Yes. Oh, I love Ruth's tone of voice, because she's such a mom in that moment. It's it's as if um, this is a naughty... It's, it's like one of your teenage kids' friends have come over, and they've said something inappropriate, and, and you're now quietly calling them on it, you know? Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> but I, one of the, I guess to even top that line is when she uh, leaves the scene, she goes. Not, oh, when Carol walks out, she goes, "Nice to meet you, Nate's mother." <laughs> <laughs> like, so it didn't even matter that how many times they introduce each other. She's still, yeah. and I mean, what great writing for this uh, yes. this this Carol character. Oh. Um, well, I love I love Catherine O'Hara. I really do. I love that actress, and yeah, oh, she I does incredible oh, so much with that part. <laughs> She's. I mean, yeah, oh. I didn't. Re- I didn't remember her as this being as this brash, where she just comes in and she just verbal abusing everyone. Yeah. Right? maybe not verbally abusing, but just uh, well, you know, tone you know, she, yeah, she's right. completely narcissistic, is what she is, right? Yeah. And yeah, and uh, but so amusing um, and so over the top. She's just oh, she's funny. And just the whole idea of of don't park in the driveway, Nate, and it's just like oh, I, I mean, I I, I kind of love it. I love it that someone could be that high strung, uh, high strung, <laughs> as long as it's not happening to me or anyone around me, because I'd feel so terribly mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the way she just demands all of this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, later, like we have that scene where Lisa's going on about how happy she <laughs> oh, is God. to be a mother and yes. to have the ability to work hard towards something, uh-huh. which is a really nice moment for yes. Lisa. And then the way she says, this girl says, don't look at me, Lisa. (laughs) And then poor Lisa's looking down. Like, I was trying to think of what that is the equivalent of. Um, 
I don't even know. Do not cast thine eyes upon me. I mean, it's so bizarre. It's like, oh, it's so strange. I mean, I guess it's just she was just taking away from her happiness. And it was just anything to sort of move the spotlight from her. Because she sort of goes on into her own struggles. Well, again, because everything has to be about Carol. About her, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's just very funny because she's so self-interested that she can't even have a moment of kindness. You know, unless it's going to be about her, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to swim naked in my pool, and now I can't enjoy that. Yeah, like, now I can't do it because uh, Nate is showing hostility yes, by parking in the driveway. Yes, because of course everything everyone else does around you is about you. <laughs> right, right. And I guess that's exactly how a, a yeah. narcissistic personality would Absolutely. Think, yeah, it's you know. quite funny, isn't it? And the, the small little goof here, like we were talking about with show goofs, of obviously, if in the medical field, I imagine there's tons. <laughs> uh, the scene closes out with the phone call from Rico, essentially telling them how he's not their whipping boy anymore. And Rico, he says the line, uh, I'm a partner, and I'm also now a licensed funeral director. The reason why that this is a goof is because Rico's been embalming this entire yes. time, and he's been doing meeting with families, mm-hmm. take, doing arrangements. Yep. He was probably a licensed funeral director for I don't ages. Know, I don't know how often. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's that's a small little. I guess we're to think now that he's part owner. Now he's a licensed funeral director, but no, like you can't embalm without an embalmer or a funeral director's license, and so on and so yeah. forth. It was just to emphasize that he's now a partner, but that's just a small little line that. If uh, if we could move to uh, David and mm-hmm. Keith. We see David and Keith are now in therapy, and it's basically we get the idea that David's afraid to share his feelings, and Keith is kind of proving why <laughs> David is, is 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 scared to show his yeah. feelings. Uh, Keith's response when he's telling this is all Keith heard was whining. Uh, we kind of got the ending of season two where they have this huge physical fight, actually. Mm-hmm. It, besides an emotional, they get into a physical fight. And it kind of caps off with this, let's assume they had amazing sex. Because they're on the floor and there's blood on them and they're, they're all this stuff. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the therapist kind of, you know, after he starts doing some digging is... We've come to find out that they're, you know, they're complaining about everything. And then he says, how's your sex life? And they're both on cue, look yes. at each other. Great. I know, that part's so funny. I uh, think that's pretty common. So, something that's great about Six Feet Under is it's relatable. You maybe, well, maybe you see yourself in Keith. You see yourself in David. You see yourself in Claire. It doesn't matter who's gay or who's straight. You could relate mm-hmm. to that. Um, I have to think that's pretty common, right? Where there's f- dysfunctional relationships, but... The sex is great, or yeah. everything is bad, but they are they have great time cooking together, or, or whatever. whatever. Yeah, like know? there's a certain amount of passion, and uh, and it spills mm-hmm. over in that one area. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a perfect <laughs> world, you know, you should have both. You should have the ability to communicate right, and right. the yeah. great sex. Equilibrium. Uh, but yeah, it's that is so funny. And when Keith does say, "All I hear is whining," I don't know about you, but my little heart does go out to David because I think. He he's been such a doormat. Oh, I mean, he pegs it when he says at some point, "Yeah, he's the doormat," and uh, you know, yeah, whatever. Keith has anger issues, and uh, you just um, you do kind of think, how much longer will you put up with that for the great sex? <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I think the, the most telling thing of their relationship and something I found so funny is that this, this therapy scene ends with the counselor, the therapist, whatnot, is telling them what to work oh, on. Oh, yeah, they always give them homework, right? That's a therapist thing. But Keith is already out yes. the door. Yes. He's, yeah. <laughs> and, and David, David being such a kind soul, oh. is sitting there waiting to receive his homework, uh, and Keith is already out of the yeah, scene. Yeah, I mean, it's classic. <sighs> and, and we kind of we kind of see how that plays out, right? Because you know, in a few scenes later in the episode, we see them cooking, mm-hmm. and Keith just kind of jumps down David's throat for adding pepper. And we get this. I I, th- I find it so cute when when this happens in in television, where we get David. You know, he just does the the uh, applied homework. Yes, here, yes, yes, yes. He's David. <laughs> you know, he puts his foot down. I want to let you know, I am ashamed. Yeah. You know. Um, their their interaction is great. I just I obviously you, you question how it goes, right? Because Keith's response is, you know, it was not my intention to shame you. It's like they're it's like they're sharing this passive aggressive homework, <laughs> you know, where they're just they're reciting oh, lines that they know they're supposed okay, to say. Okay, maybe I'm a sucker, but I didn't quite dig it that way because I okay I actually thought that the the psychotherapy session was quite mm-hmm. true to life in how it was structured that that. You know, that's kind of how things go. Totally. Okay. Uh And so I think this is probably fairly typical because they really were trying to, you know, to put to good use what they'd learned. So good old David being the, the, you know, the proper correct schoolboy, he he steps back and instead of just sitting there and saying nothing and swallowing down his feelings, right? Because for him, it's a big deal to say what you feel. He tries using the eye language. (laughs) I mean, I'm giggling watching this. Tells him what he feels. And then I actually took it more that Keith, whose first instinct was to just go, oh, give me a break, paused and thought, oh, no, okay, he's trying, so I need to acknowledge it. I actually thought it was endearing because I thought instead of making fun of it, I thought Keith was actually trying to buy into it a little bit and be respectful. uh, I'm with you. I'm with Mm -hmm. you. I guess what I'm saying is the way – Keith, Keith recognized and he saw David is trying and therefore Keith said, instead of doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to try his route. The, 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 the therapist the, the, the yeah, version. The, yeah. Yes. I, I just, just the way he, I, I mean, I don't think you'll ever get a scene ever again where Keith says, let me get, well, I'm trying to get his line here, where Keith says, <laughs> um, I'm trying to hear, oh, it was not my intention to shame right. you. Those words aren't in the Keith character. <laughs> no, you're right. Intention. and So that's what I'm saying is, is and you're right, it was a controlled <laughs> response. And that, I don't, I think David could be in this mode forever where he, if he feels slightly oh, yes, offended yes. or whatever, he'll stop you and tell you. I think Keith, I think that's David's nature. Keith is, I'm going to try this, but you're keeping a, 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 barking ravishing mad dog in a cage yes i, I you know? think you're right um and i i i could only just knowing what i remember it doesn't obviously just last too long. <laughs> no spoiler alert yeah i think we could all predict um, that <laughs> yeah and, and the idea of and this is another thing too which i understand is that anytime keith gets mad david says he feels like keith may or may not get physical. right yeah but david is like uh keith is you know he's comfortable doing this because that means he. Loves yeah, that's it. the best line of that scene. That's that's the sweetest part of it when he tries to explain to David. Because as <laughs> you were saying before, we all we all come at things from our own perspective and our own biases, right? And right. so Keith is having to. It's like talking about color to a blind person. He's having to explain to David, "Hey, listen, this is how families that have you know passion and anger and let their feelings up. This is what they do. It doesn't. We don't take it to heart. We don't necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, get wounded by mm-hmm. it. 
And I thought it was really cool that Keith wanted to take a minute to give Davis, David sorry, that insight. Mm-hmm. Right? That, yeah, that's very yeah, caring, yeah, actually, to say, hey, this means I care. This is, you know, yeah, I'm comfortable with right? you. Yeah. So. Um, to to close out the, the, their storyline in this episode, and it's, again, I, I guess I, I've already said it so many times, but uh, it's so funny to me. Later, we see that David isn't getting undressed and <laughs> the way Keith initiates sex, which I guess if their sex life is great, it, I guess it, maybe it doesn't matter how it's initiated, but. <laughs> Instead of Keith being like, hey, baby, or whatever, it's just like, are we having sex? <laughs> Though, and it, it, let me ask you this. It's the most David thing ever to get so clean and primed for sex it's, okay, the that it takes so long to the point. Yes, it's when he's getting the nose hairs and the ear hairs with that little device, whatever it's called. I don't know. That's the best. I just feel like that is such... Oh. When they were in the writer's room, uh, they probably had yes. to say, what is the most dated yes, thing that we yes. can do? And that is just completely... I mean, you'd think, yeah, he's scrubbing and he's... Flossing, <laughs> flossing, and he's all the whole thing. And by the time he's done, Keith is sound asleep because Keith is tired. <laughs> and, and yes, Keith is like, hey, you want to have sex? And David's like, sure. He does all... The, and yep, passed out. I, I guess I guess that's kind of like their relationship, right? Like, David does all this caring and, and I want to speak. I want emotions and whatnot. And Keith is like... Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> pretty know. much. Yes. <laughs> and I guess sticking, we could still stick with the therapist, right? Where, because we see later that Nate confronts David about seeing a therapist. Mm-hmm. We see that he sees his name and whatnot. And the way, I, I guess, I guess my, my, the line I'm just going to keep repeating in this episode is the most David thing ever because the, the way David describes seeing a, a relationship therapist. Seeking the advice of a trained professional helping us to establish appropriate boundaries and write the rules of our relationship together. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Who speaks like that in real life? Yeah, but, they, but for David, but what's funny is like, he does. David had that. Yeah, David. But what's funny is David had that loaded uh-huh. like in his holster. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And if it ever got yeah. out that he was in relationship therapy, that's the mm-hmm. line. He's like, no, no, no. It's not a therapist. It's a trained professional. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Uh, right, really because it's so cute. Right, because David is so insecure <laughs> that he, you know, he has to, to justify anything that he does. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, but I thought it was again. I like that scene between the, the brothers because. Uh, oh no! Cause, yeah, they, yeah. They, they have some. They have some. They're both kind of. It's sort of like what they do when they talk. Uh, they're just kind of seeing where they are in their own relationship. Yeah, like, and, hey, how's your relationship? Yeah, and I think Nate, um, I am always like the character cuz I feel like he's a very intuitive sort of person. Yeah. And and he in his own okay, he can be a jerk in certain ways. We all know this, but he's pretty mm-hmm. intuitive and he's pretty respectful of, you know, people's autonomy and boundaries and things like that. So, <laughs> and he, he's good to his, his brother. He yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my, my favorite thing, my favorite moments on the show is the true sibling yeah. relationship when they have a heart to heart. It's my favorite part of the show. Yeah. Is it's it, it always hits me in the heart. You yeah, know? and some of their, their each of them, their individual scenes with Claire as well. I feel that way about. Yeah, yeah I yeah. quite like those scenes. Yeah. Uh, I guess to close out David's storyline for now, we see, and we'll get back to it because it, it, it does provide a nice montage, but David trying to make some friends outside the relationship and outside the business uh, joins a gay men's choir of Los Angeles and good for David. And we'll get to uh, that in a bit. 
And to move to Claire, we see that Claire is in art school. They have to draw this naked man for 30 seconds. And we get eyes from this Russ character. Yeah, and Russell. And if you know who he is, you'll know he plays a bigger part. There's no spoiler there. <laughs> and uh, like I was saying that uh, every episode I try to figure out what the title means. I have to imagine that's one of the... How to finally pinpoint something on t what to name an episode. <laughs> I have to imagine. Would drive, it would drive me crazy, right? Mm -hmm. um, but... It didn't take me till after I watched why it was called Perfect Circle. Obviously, there's a lot of other things, but and it's something you guys said on the podcast. I, I forget who I could give credit to, but the idea of you cannot create a perfect circle, like it's it's it was I guess, it was Desiree, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's not possible. And yeah, <laughs> and obviously, you know, if you take that into life, you you, you can't have a perfect life. It's it's impossible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you will you will enjoy the ups and downs and whatnot. Um, I, I just, I, it's a question I had here and I don't want to harp too much on it because it's going to take us way out. But how do you partake in art school? Like I, you, it, art is not something you teach, right? I mean, it's kind of something, um, you know what I'm trying no, to no. say? No, no, I would say uh, there are certain skills, technical skills that certain, you have yeah, to have. Okay, and I skill, think probably yeah. their argument here mm -hmm. is that you have to have certain technical skills in order to build upon them and then you can be creative. Fair enough. Right? Yep, yep. So if you're I'll a writer that. and you don't know how to put a paragraph together, you're not going to really be able to write your novel, right? <laughs> right. So I think right. that's what, where it's coming from. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, to stick with Claire, because she is the one who ends up going to the crematory, but before we get there, <laughs> uh, Nate comes in in the morning with Maya. She comes oh to the Fisher God, house. This scene. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Before yeah. you say anything. Okay, because uh -huh. you, you I'm a mom, right? Mm -hmm. You're not a dad. Mm -hmm. Not yet anyway, right? Right. Right. Okay. Never in my life have I waxed poetic about my baby's defecation. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing. So I'm going to say this because oh. I wrote this before. <laughs> I did this before. I, I listened to your podcast today at work. Yep. I did my show notes a few days earlier. Yep. And um, because I knew you were a mother prior that this is my <laughs> this is my show notes. Nate comes in in the morning with Maya, talks about how Maya's poop was so compact and perfect. <laughs> This is my next line. Moira, you have kids. Can you relate to this? <laughs> no. So but I heard on the podcast, yes, you, you, this is not. Oh. I am curious though if, if other, if, I imagine Nate is on the far extreme end of this jubilant whatnot. Um, I do have to imagine certain parents take a certain pride and joy when they're this out of their realm. Yes, yeah, certain pa certain parents will come in to me um, and new, new parents, and they will mm. have a log, like a log book, of every defecation <laughs> and every time their child urinated. <laughs> and you know, this is early days, mind you. They're still learning about their baby, and and really, I just kind of find it endearing. It's sort of cute because <laughs> you know, they, it, it, yeah, yeah, they don't want to make a mistake, adorable. and they want everything to be right <laughs> and good and nutritious, and yeah. So, but I just think it's funny because she's what seven month old, right? <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, in the first few weeks of life, Nate, I will give you that. <laughs> but at this stage, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then what is it? Oh, Claire says something about he's become a dithering idiot or something. A dithering right? idiot, yes. What happened to my brother? I, yeah. And, <laughs> oh, right? It's like a pod person. Uh -oh. You've been replaced by this dithering idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a little part here where uh, David X for the end piece and that triggers again that flashback. Uh, mm -hmm. Something here I wanted to touch upon because what ends up happening is no one can take this person to the crematory and yes. the idea is we finally have to get Claire to do mm -hmm. it for 50 yep. bucks. 
Just uh, from the funeral director angle here, and it's something the show never does, and it, it kind of got me on this watching to realize, you kind of assume only three people work at the funeral home, <laughs> and it's Rico, Nate, and David, yeah. and what I'm telling you is there's so many more people involved mm-hmm. to, to operate a funeral home. You know, uh, if you're somewhat close to the funeral industry, you got to think about it too. The funeral industry is a 24-hour thing. You can't have, especially family, right? You can't, at some point, you have to kind oh. of be together for family events and whatnot. Well, yeah, and I was thinking, not I, I certainly don't have your insight into this, but from my little tiny mm-hmm. slice of the window, when I've had mm-hmm. patients die at home and I've had to go and pronounce them, right? And mm-hmm. I know how this works. The, the body can't be taken by the funeral home until they have a death certificate. Right. So, right. and I remember one time it was, I don't know, 10, 11 at night, whatever time it was I was there. And, you know, I, I was sort of thinking, wow, I know I'm on call, but I had never really thought about the fact that so are you guys. Because right. you guys have exactly. to come out exactly. at like two in the morning, you know, whenever it is and, and yep. get that piece of paper from the physician. Cause I'm assuming it works the right. same in the States as it does in Canada. Right. And for the most more part, or less, yeah. yeah. And well, somebody has to have, anyway, have that death certificate uh, or, yeah. or can, I mean, I know it can be dropped off the next day, but I'm just saying you guys realistically have to come sometimes in the middle of the night to, you know, to pick up the, the body and dispose of it and yeah. do your thing. And no, I, yeah, so you're right. How plenty... could one family possibly do that? Three people. And not even one, like three what? people. And there's no, the amount of work you assume that the fishers do. First of all, yeah. And you've got to talk about too. Uh, at minimum, at complete bare minimum, you need someone who's an everyday guy who's there. And that guy is cleaning the premise, organizing, you know, just making sure everything's in tip top shape. Not, you know, the three of them can't do that. There's so many other other stuff too. You know, you're running you're running a business yeah. and it's just well, you not need the a receptionist, you need somebody on the phone, you need people exactly. people are gonna be calling inquiring as to cost. You have to come and show people caskets. There's all these aspects to it. There's the technical yeah. stuff that you're doing in the back room with the body <laughs> that you know, there could be you could be swamped. You might have seven back there. I don't know. So yeah, I would imagine it's gotta be I don't know, how many people? Like ten, twelve? I don't yeah. know. Quite a few. You yeah, I mean, it, it like, depends on how much. Yeah. yeah, it depends on how much work yeah, you're exactly. doing, and then it just, again here, it's the first time this show ever kind of leaned in this realm where they're just like, "Well, Claire, you want to do this, you know?" But that's just something I wanted to touch on. But we see here that we meet the crematory operator. Uh, his name's not Russ. His name is Phil. I have Russ here. <laughs> um, there's two things here. One, he described his band as early Peter Gabriel meets Tool, emotionally vulnerable like Sunny Day Real Estate, but politically conscious like Public Enemy. <laughs> that is, that should be the name of your band. All of that, oh. like. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> and what I, I I just read, I read a John Teddy's review on AV Club because I like to scour, scourge there for you know just some other insight that other people have, <laughs> and someone had a great comment of. We know when the scene starts, Claire's into this. Oh, show. I was about to say that. Everything he said, yeah, everything he's saying, it's like, you know, on Peanuts cartoons, when the teacher talks and you hear wah, 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> she, it, he could say anything at that point, and she's completely entranced. But here, here, here's what the comment yeah. said is, not only do we know how much Claire wants this yeah, guy. So does he. He knows oh, exactly. So he. he knows how much he has a real in. Oh yeah, and that's something I like. I knew that, but it just wasn't put yes. into, into word form like for me. Um, <sighs> I don't. Wow, how great! Yep. 
Uh, and second of all, I'm looking, I have the scene on here. The band is literally, let's just call it 10 feet from the, the actual retort where the, the cremation actually happens. <laughs> if you've ever been in a crematory and why would you have been? It is so hot in there. There is no <laughs> way you could play music besides it being a hazard. No way you're playing music that close. It's loud too. It's, you know, you have this huge oven essentially mm-hmm. running. It is so hot in there. Another little, you know, a little show goof. I think something I, I did want to make a note of is this is where we start to see the show slowly moves away from like the funeral part of it being at the forefront. Oh, okay. You know, it sort of the tale, takes a, t- uh, I, I would say the first two seasons, the the whole funeral industry part is, is at the forefront. Yeah. And I think now we can get more of the relationships and more of the drama. Yeah, now that you say that, yeah, I would agree with you. It, it, does and like shift. the business kind of takes a back mm-hmm. seat, which is fine because I mean, how much can you mm-hmm. operate a show on a, a funeral home? But oh come uh, on, you can have Rico's drama it. every day, <laughs> all day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like that line of you know, you could see how much Claire yeah. likes him, but how much more this guy likes him, and he knows it because he's thrusting when they're playing oh, yeah. and he's playing the guitar and he's staring at her. You know, and even the lighting in that scene. Um, the the way the light falls on Clara's face, she's just yeah. illuminated, <laughs> luminous, all of those things. She, she's a very but, beautiful woman anyway, but uh, there's certain mm-hmm. moments in the show when I just think she's stunning, you know? Yeah, yeah no, no, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's got her. He's totally got her. <laughs> to move to Lisa for a second, we see that she finds this peanut butter stain on Maya's clothes, <laughs> and she absolutely freaks okay, out. And sorry, sorry and... to interrupt you, but in our, <laughs> in our, in our version of this... We were, we were, we found it hilarious. She's busy sniffing the baby's clothing. <laughs> like, yeah. Again. Oh, okay. To be fair. Such a Lisa well, thing. Such a thing. Yeah. But here, you know what? We recorded what in 2011 and we uh-huh. were ranting on about how, oh my God, you can't feed a baby peanut butter. They can get allergic. Well, guess what? <laughs> Everything has changed. And now we actually tell you to give your baby peanut butter starting at six months. <gasps> Really? Yeah. I didn't know yes, that. Yes, it's completely um, changed. <laughs> man, because you know it's. I know things change. Be, be, <laughs> before we get before we get to the peanut butter, we were talking off mic, and this is to no detriment of your guys' podcast, mm-hmm. but it's so funny. We were talking that six years ago, you could hear <laughs> that your podcast is 2011. Yeah. It's just the limitations of that time and trying to get three people on. And mm-hmm. uh, how edited this pot this episode is. This mm-hmm. is like the sixth time me and Moira have <laughs> stopped, started, stopped, started. Yep. So we're still not there yet, but the idea that six years ago, because I would have been like, I, 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 if you would have asked me, can you feed a child peanut butter at under one year, I would have said no. But now you're saying that yeah. yes, you can now. It changed uh, not that long ago. I think within about six months, they they did a bunch of studies and they found out that actually, if you give them things like um, eggs and fish and peanut butter early they're less likely to develop severe life-threatening allergies later on. And so the big thing you're not allowed to give them is honey. That's still true because you can get botulism from honey. But the other stuff is uh, fair game. Um, Interesting. And I think the only exception is if you have a family, because I don't want to put bad medical advice out in the airwaves, if you if you have a, a family history of severe peanut allergy, for instance, then you would probably have to talk to your doc and hold off that might not be so safe but for most people that don't have any kind of history yeah you're actually supposed to give them peanut butter 
So, Interesting. so, yeah. so I'm laughing at us. I'm laughing. I'm looking back at us <laughs> from ages ago, laughing at how you know irate we were about all this. How could yeah, how could Ruth? Yeah. That's terrible. Ruth didn't know. Actually, I think we cut Ruth some slack and said, "Well, why would she know? She hasn't. Yeah, why would she and, know? You know? She hasn't parented. Yeah, like yeah, 16, yeah. 17 years." Yeah. And this is where we, you know, she sort of tells Ruth to get her own. She doesn't oh, say it much. Kind so, of get your own life, yeah. Yeah, kind of. You know, I haven't barely spent time with my own child, which kind of gives way to this nice little montage where David's singing in the in the gay men's choir. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what happens during the montage is we see David auditioning, and Keith is doing his droning security job. <laughs> uh, Ruth is taking a quite beautiful hike of this part of L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate's consoling a grieving family member, and we just uh, get to sort of see the landscape for our characters. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I know you guys were where it's sad to see where Keith is because how bored he must oh. be. Because you get this reveal, you just think this big happening, and he's wearing his uniform and whatnot, and we just find out it's a possum <laughs> or, or dead, whatever. Dead possum this. in a pool. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of over David's voice and David's... I want to say all our characters are moving forward, but all our characters are changing. There's something, you know, we see where they... It kind of sets the, the landscape for season three of where everyone is, you know? Yeah, and I think I remember... Because it's, it's fun for me to listen back to what I said before, you know? And now on another rewatch, uh-huh. you see it differently. But at the time, I remember saying, um, of all the storylines, I thought Claire's seemed like it was most real because I kept being, you know thinking that maybe this was some alternate reality reality but claire's mm-hmm. storyline seemed completely believable to me yeah um, yeah so that that got me worried because <laughs> i thought oh <laughs> if this is real then then yep, lisa yep. later married <laughs> and this is no it just yeah it's, i i still i'm having nightmares now i'm having awake nightmares because <laughs> no anyway yeah <sighs> And yeah, sorry. our episode sort of ends with Lisa, Nate, and Maya. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of in this discussion about how Nate is hung up on the idea that he was an accident and somehow his life isn't meaningful. Uh, see, something, <laughs> you know, you guys were talking about it whatnot. Sort of the thing I found sort of ironic that he was holding Maya while saying mm-hmm, this. Because she's an accident, Nate. Last time I checked. <laughs> yeah, it was like... <laughs> it is, completely. And I also wondered a bit why he's so put off by that like because what would the difference be nate okay if you had been a planned child would anything really have been that different about your life like do you know what i mean like you would still probably have had a dad who ran that funeral home etc etc so so really um not to sound trite but you know your life really is what you make of it so yeah why does that bother you so very much and and I, I think I think it lends to the idea of and it's not something I caught when I was watching this in my twenties, but the idea that Nate is kind of searching for this ever fulfillment instead of like what's here, what's now. Oh, you mean always looking it, around for the other, the next best thing, kind of. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just that life should have this big meaning and in, in f- big fulfillment, and it's like, dude, you have a wife and a child. You're living life. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, the analogy to that is, see if this is kind of where you're going as well. You know, when you first get into a relationship with somebody and it's mm-hmm. all infatuation and magical and all your endorphins and your hormones are going crazy mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. they can do no wrong. right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. eventually you hit around the two year mark or whatever it is. And um, 
you know, you settle into things with people and you settle mm-hmm. into, a, um, you know, a companionable existence. And maybe the sex yeah. isn't 10 times a day now. <laughs> maybe it's only twice mm-hmm. a week, whatever. Mm-hmm. For, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I think the kind of person that is, an, it's a maturity thing, basically. Yeah. So the kind of person who thinks it's all supposed to be sunshine and rainbows and that the infatuation stage should last forever. That's just not reality. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But Nate has always struck me as fundamentally he's he's a man child he you know he's not really a grown-up in a lot of ways you know D- no. david is too busy trying to be too grown up in some ways right right and, <laughs> yeah and, yeah and that's a great Nate point is the opposite and so for him to be so hung up on this i i am yeah i'm thinking is it because because what what would have been different or is it because you feel like you know your relationship with your mom is different or she's she would resent you being there like i, I really don't know quite where he was going with that yeah. yeah, I just I, in, in your analogy, I think it's it's Nate is co- perpetually chasing the the first two years, yeah, or, or the first six months or whatever. But of any He's perpetually chasing of that. any experience, never yeah, realizing, yeah, yeah. yeah, of any experience, yeah. yes, yes, and not the, really taking the, stock and being grateful, mm-hmm. right, for what you actually yeah. have in front of you. And, and like you're saying, uh, uh, it doesn't matter if you were planned for twenty years, you were planned for a year. You're you're whatever you're you're here now and look where life has taken you whatnot yeah, yeah. I don't know. it's funny because he says the words at some point I think at that when he's at that uh, barbecue he says something like you know who would have thought I'd, I'd be here it might be to Claire I can't remember who he says it to um, you know funny like I was engaged a year ago to Brenda yeah you know look how that turned out and right <laughs> yeah, so he's he's yeah. saying he's making the utterances where he's claiming to kind of appreciate the moment but mm. I agree with you I'm I don't think Nate does yeah. But here is where we also see Maya's jerking back before she goes to sleep. Nate recites the same words Mm -hmm. and sparks this last uh, flashback. Which is quite a lengthy flashback, right? He's very detailed. It's much longer than a normal deja vu, isn't it? But my my thing is, and I guess, you know, going to the thing with the fenugreek and the syrup and the last piece on the end and whatnot. What, what? I'm trying to think of a, how to put it, but what is this? Like he's had this during surgery, right? Mm-hmm. These these are these are things he thought of while he was in surgery. How is it that he these are certain words coming up? I don't know. Did you did you have anything to? Um. Well, okay. I guess it depends on on whether you think these were his thoughts during surgery or whether you buy into the idea that he had a whole bunch of different paths he could have taken and he actually had a window into them so we're getting kind of mystical here but Mm -hmm, within the mm -hmm. realm of the show i mean the way i took it is um he's he's recognizing this familiarity that this was one of his choices and he realizes this is the one he made you know what i mean he could have chosen any of those things on some yeah right but the fact it's so detailed and it's word for word it just makes me think, because see, okay, if we get practical for a minute, when he's lying there having his surgery, it's not like Nate can see the future. So, right, right, right. right. And yet, if we believe, dear listeners, that this is reality, <laughs> which again, I'm still not completely convinced of, but if we mm-hmm. believe that, then he couldn't have foreseen this. We don't believe the guy can see the future. So you'd have to buy into the idea that there was something actually mystical going on and that he was given a little glimpse. I, I don't know how else to interpret it. 
Uh, I uh, it's like I said earlier. I don't have an answer, so I'll take your answer. But I will. I I do like I do like how you're saying is that he just he was he had this ability to see into the future, whatnot, and it's just it's sort of these moments coming back. I mean, I'll take it. Um, I I like I liked how it happened because mm-hmm. it was like oh yeah, and I mean that's how I always I I think Six Feet Under and The Sopranos they do dreams the best way because random things from your dreams that's how your dreams are your dreams aren't perfect right Uh, there's always something random where yeah and they take odd turns suddenly dreams do right Um, weird settings but it's the way in this scene when he's having his deja vu moment for lack of a better word for it you can see him embrace it it's like he goes oh Oh, I remember this. You can just see him mm-hmm, kind of, mm-hmm. and he knows what she's going to say. He finishes her sentence, right, at one mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm, and it's really yeah. quite lovely, and it's very it's very sweet and tender. But, but I also feel like it's him sort of settling in and saying, Ah, oh, yeah, this feels right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's definitely a sense of that, of, of uh, this, this unknown is now that, now that it's part of it that is known. Mm-hmm. He's, he's comfortable setting into it yeah. as opposed to kind of like how we saw him with Brenda where he wasn't as comfortable in that unknown, if that makes sense. To, yeah, to, no, to it does make sense. Point. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, and, I, and I wonder if it's Nate kind of trying to believe, hey, maybe this will be okay. <laughs> you know, it was just to sort of switch it up a bit, it just struck me. I mean, if you've gone through something like that, a major brain surgery um, – and he does recount the fact that he kind of almost died, right? Like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do wonder how it would uh, make you rethink things. And, you know, people always say that, that, oh, well, you're going to try to leave each moment and blah, blah, blah. And the reality is we humans, we're not good at that. <laughs> we we, right, we, we right. strive to do it. But, you know, we kvetch. <laughs> oh, you know, the guy took my parking spot. You know, whatever. So, right. we're, yeah, we're not good at living in the moment and feeling blissfully happy and grateful, right? We're just not good at that. I wish yeah, we were better at yeah. it. But uh, to give him credit, I think in that moment he's kind of trying to. He's trying to just be there. Yeah, and it's, it's a really nice yeah. it's a nice character moment. And, and if you kind of step back from where we are, it's a nice way to start the season because, you know, we do have to remember that this is the, you know, if you kind of put yourself in the shoes of 2003, whatnot, this is, mm-hmm. again, you would know where we're at <laughs> if this was a real episode <laughs> or not. But yeah. if the idea of it, if it is real, it's a nice way to kind of kick off what's happening. Yeah, Maybe they're trying that. to ease us into this crazy alternate reality, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Moira, with that being said, that brings us to the end of our episode. Is there anything uh, I may have glossed over or anything you wanted to touch back upon? Mm. Oh, a dumb little thing. Very dumb. Um, yep. R- Ruth, just sort of a more general comment. Um, Ruth is probably one of my favorite characters. And it's funny because mm-hmm. when I when I watched the pilot of this show, I she actually annoyed me and I didn't, I didn't know if I would like her very much, but watching her growth and development through the whole course of, you know, the five seasons to me is a really, really neat thing to watch. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite? I don't know. Frank, remember you saying before Um, who you like the most. is this you subtly trying to install Fisher of the Week? No, no, no. <laughs> no I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Stop. <laughs> no, I meant uh, for the I, whole. I, no, no, I, I, no, I, I. You know, it's funny when I was younger. It's like I said, when I was younger, I kind of related to, to Rico. Rico. Yeah. Uh, when now that I'm older, I relate to David. Yeah. I, like someone asked me this question when I first started mm-hmm. the podcast, and I was like, 
I, I didn't even realize it just kind of came out and I just started thinking about it. I relate to David more than anything. Interesting. Um, I don't relate to him on, I don't really connect with him on the, the sex, you know, him struggling to come yeah. out because I, I'm a straight man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just kind of the insecurities and, and just the, the business. I don't know. All of David, I kind of, and he is at times maybe a little too emotional. Yeah. Um, I guess I like I like what he believes in, um, so that's I just auto. If I had to pick a favorite, it was Claire was always too young, f- yeah, too young for yeah, my yeah. my mindset. <laughs> Nate was always too out there. Ruth, I just couldn't. I, I enjoy her. I yeah, love. She's the funniest she's fun one to on the watch, show, right? And the actress yeah, she's is by so far good. The funny, yeah, yeah. Oh, Francis Conroy is so good. The best actress on the show is by yeah. far I, to me by far Francis Conroy because. Yeah, and they, they say it, uh, it was in the pilot, uh, Alan Ball did the commentary, he said that Frances Conroy, she would literally, like a, like a light switch, she would go from crying hysterical to fine, back to crying hysterical. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. He's like, I've never seen anything like it, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I enjoy watching so, her because she's such a pleasure yeah, to watch. And she is great. Yeah, and I don't, yeah, now that you say that, um, I'm trying to think if I actually have one favorite, I quite like David as well. Um yeah, I don't want to say anything too spoilery. Nate, I have yep, I have yep. love hate with. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Anyway, and and Brenda, I really enjoy watching because she's mm-hmm. she's um, she's been cuckoo crazy in, in a lot of ways, but uh, it's just she's interesting. She adds craziness, but in an um, in a fairly um, visceral yet intelligent way. Does that make any sense? Like. You know, she's formidable in her own way. Yeah, yeah. And she's very different uh, um, character. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny is she she's now she's she was signed on for this season, so she becomes a show regular when she wasn't before because oh. she's in that season three promo. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So. And see, I guess uh, it's just that I like her. Okay, what I probably should say is I like her with Nate because I feel like they're much more equals. Like completely yeah. flawed people, but but equals. Yeah. But with with Lisa and Nate, um, I feel like Lisa's the puppy dog, and Nate, you know, has kind of just finally scooped her up and said, "Oh, okay, you can come live with me." You know, it uh, doesn't okay. seem equal. L- l- <laughs> l- let me go back then, because I'm sorry, I-, I think I misunderstood you, Lisa. Uh, you were speaking about Brenda. I was saying Lisa got signed on for this season three. Oh, Lisa did. She- yeah, yeah. Brent, Brenda was oh, oh, Brenda is always one of the main. Okay. No, no, that was that's my okay. fault. That was my fault. Uh, Brenda was always uh, she was a uh, she's part of the cast since day one. Right. I'm saying Rachel uh, Lisa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lisa got kind of picked up as season two went along. They 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 really liked her character, and then eventually led to she's a series regular by season three by the prom. Uh, you know, season three. Um, going back to uh, of who's better. Um, What's interesting about that, and I guess I'm really uh, interested and excited myself, is the, the, the route Nate and Lisa's relationship takes. Um, I'm interested because now I'm older and I'm a little <laughs> bit more wiser. And I think I know a little bit more because yeah. I don't remember what – I can't say that. Uh, I'm just interested to see how their relationship falls out because knowing what I know, now that I'm a little bit older, mm-hmm. I like to see you know how they sort of wrestle all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, yes, and that's all we can say because we can't be spoilery. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can tell me off air uh, what you're. What you're yeah. <laughs> because now I want to know what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you could follow Moira on Twitter. She is at 
Moira Brown, M-O-I-R-A-B-R-O-W-N-E. I'll have it linked in my uh, episode. Uh, Moira, thank you. This was, uh, on top of being really fun, really informative. (laughs) Uh, if, if, If at the very worst, at the very least, you informed me and everyone what an EVM is. And I know you added a lot more. That wasn't meant to come off as. <laughs> no, it's, I got I gotcha. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yes, so, I hope so. I had something half decent to contribute. I think I was no, a little yes, repetitive. But... I apologize, but you know. <laughs> no, and, and it's something something you did that I, I should have probably factored in more is we're, we're kicking off season three, so we kind of have to reset everything that we've talked about, we know so far, and just sort of introduce where we're at with the show. So, no, thank you. Thank you. No, thanks for um, having me. This was really fun. Def- and I'm definitely having, even if it's just you and Robin, I definitely want to have you guys back on again. I think it would be, uh, it'd be hilarious. Yeah. I, I, you know what? We'll have to work on it. I'll have to, I'll have to message Desiree after this and say, listen, <laughs> yeah, we need a yeah. reunion. <laughs> I'm, I'm very willing to just be a referee in there. So. <laughs> yeah, we might, we might need that. <laughs> uh, you could join me next week as we'll be discussing episode two of season three with uh, Chris Green from the Gravity Beer Podcast. Uh, Moira, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks again for having me. And thank you for listening, everybody. Let's go. I know I make it for you and intuition. Don't live what you take from it. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. I know I make it for two, I make it for two, I make it for two. Shiver for me now, deliver for me. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended. Make it for me, baby, you won't be sorry. Shop on the pages of love and glory.